This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my Head surgeon. She was interning under stops her says, you're 21. Are you thinking about getting married? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to Dates and Mates presented by TextNow, the app that gives you a free second phone number that you can use just for dating so you don't have to worry about giving out your primary phone number while you're still writing your love story. Today, we're making a case for jumping off the deep end in love. Naomi Shaw is the founder and CEO of Meet Cute, a media company that produces their super popular podcast, Meet Cute. Every episode is a fun, bite-sized, scripted rom-com. And she's going to tell us about the whirlwind romance that inspired it all. It involves one singular coffee date, a bouquet and a gigantic wedding. This is one meet cute that I swear you will not want to miss. But first, you know we have to dish on these headlines. Science tells us once and for all the surest way to find long-term love and new cutest couple in Hollywood alert. No, I swear this one is really, really cute. Then in Dear Demona, I'll answer questions from you like, how do you find love when you're busy working for one of the buzziest companies around? And... Does the dude always have to pay on the first date? Uh, I will finally set the record straight in Dear Demona. But in the meantime, let's dish. D's dating dish. Forget love at first sight. Two thirds of romantic couples start out as friends. A new study finds this study comes to us from a psychology professor at the University of Victoria, Canada. They looked at 2000 people and Among that sample, they found that 66% reported that their current or most recent romantic relationship began as a friendship. And this was an interesting stat to me. Of course, a lot of the data that I look at says that we are moving very heavily in the finding love online direction and that the meeting through friends and meeting casually or locking eyes in the grocery store aisle isn't as common as rom-coms would like for us to believe. But I do agree with the author of the study who says that so much of the research that's out there focuses on people who are meeting strangers and falling in love, and they don't focus as much on people who are meeting as friends. And so most of these people that were in the study did meet as friends without ever the intention of moving into a romantic relationship. They found that, especially among people under 30, under 29 even, 
the majority of them reported friends first relationships and specifically among LGBTQ plus people. They said 85 percent reported friends first relationships. I think this might have a little bit to do with the sample being heavily weighted for college students who would likely be more comfortable dating in their friend circle or through people that they already know than going online and meeting strangers. I'm curious if this is about people in school being more comfortable meeting through their social circle, through their school networks, and are not necessarily dating on dating apps with the purpose of meeting a partner, but they're more focused on other things and then casually moving into relationships. Or if this is a symbol of the times shifting, and I've said on the show before that I think there may be a correction headed our way for how people use dating apps because, you know, I'm bullish on dating apps. I love dating apps. However, when we are reliant on only one source for dates, it significantly limits your possibility of making a match. So while certain studies may say that you could meet this person online, other studies like this one say you're more likely to meet them through your friendship circle. If you do only one of those things exclusively, I like to think of it as like a net. You're catching all the possible dates in the net if you are doing all of the things. And if you are closed off to one possibility, like, oh, I would never date someone who I'm friends with, or I would only date someone who I'm friends with already, then you are cutting yourself off mentally to the possibility that you could make a match in that way. So even though I would love to get my hands deeper on this study and see what the sample really looked like, I do think that there's a big takeaway for all of us in remembering that friendship is the foundation of any successful romantic relationship. And this is another reason why I recommend slow love and slow dating, because you can really tease out the beginning of that getting to know you phase and build the trust and the communication and the conflict resolution as friends. And then you can layer in the complicating factors of romance and sex and all of the other things that keep me busy on the Dates and Mates show with all of your questions for Dear Demona. While nearly half of the students in this study reported that starting out as friends was, was their preferred way of developing a romantic relationship, I would recommend that you just keep it open. You never know which way love is going to find you. And it could be through your friend circle. It could be through your connector circle. Those who've done my 30-day dating playbook program know what I'm talking about there. It could be online dating. But if you stay open to finding love, it has a much better chance at finding you cute couple alert. I will admit I clicked this headline for sure when I saw it. Eddie Murphy's son and Martin Lawrence's daughter are a couple. And I swear I couldn't have written this love story if I tried. Jasmine Lawrence is 25. Eric Murphy is 32. They are both the eldest children of their famed comedian slash actor fathers. And it's we don't know how long they've been dating. But we do know that they have been sharing about their relationship on social media freely and that they are happy for everybody to know that they are happy in love. 
I'm assuming that they met through their dads. Their dads were in two different movies together, and I assume probably were orbiting each other for quite a while. Not in the dating sense, just in the in the work sense. They both co-starred in the 1992 film Boomerang and the 1999 movie Life. So, okay, now I'm going to just paint a picture of what I assume Jasmine and Eric were doing back then. They were like hanging out on set and watching their dad's work. And then they like caught each other's eye and thought maybe at that time the age gap was too great because remember, she's only 25 and he's 32. So maybe the age gap was too great. But then they found each other again and they fell in love. I don't know if that's the real story. I'm just going to speculate because they haven't told anybody the real story. But I just thought it was an adorable match of comedy dynasty and a reminder that sometimes the person you're looking for might be right in your backyard. Speaking of cute couples and cute ways to meet, I will be joined by Naomi Shaw. She is the CEO of Meet Cute, and she's going to share the love story of her parents. One of my favorite love stories that I've heard in a very long time. So don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back and I'm here with Naomi Shaw. She is the founder and CEO of Meet Cute. They are a production company that produces original lighthearted romantic comedies in podcast form. These stories are all about celebrating human connection and the full spectrum of love. You know, I love love and I know you love love. So without further ado, please help me give big smooches to Naomi Shaw. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to talk about Meet Cute. Obviously, obviously, we're both in the romantic space. You from the rom-com side, me from the trying to create rom-coms for uh, other people side. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There's so much overlap here. (laughs) There is. And that's why I wanted to talk to you and hear a little bit more about the genesis for this production company, really, is what, what you're running. But first, just tell everybody... What is Meet Cute and why did you feel like it was important to bring it into the world? Yes. So Meet Cute is an entertainment company. We make 15-minute original scripted rom-coms and they're all in audio. We release them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio. The reason I think rom-coms are so important right now is that We just went through one of the toughest years 
people were away from their families, people were doing long distance relationships, people couldn't be around the people they loved. And we all needed stories and little escapes in our day to remind us that things are going to be okay, that things will work out, that you can escape a little bit from like the day-to-day stressors and the anxiety that you that you're experiencing and that there are people out there that love you. And I think that rom-coms kind of encapsulate that emotion really well of, you know, we're all looking for human connection and rom-coms at the end of the day are stories about people finding each other, people finding themselves and kind of end in this really emotional satisfying either happily ever after or happily for now. It doesn't really matter what the ending is. What matters is the process that it takes to get there. And so that's really what we're excited about bringing into the world are these stories that people can engage with, but also hopefully relate to and learn something from as well. So I'm going to get personal because that's what I do on this show. (laughs) How the heck would you have time to write your own rom-com, your own personal rom-com, while starting a huge, this is a huge entertainment venture that you have stepped into. Have you had any time to date and maintain relationships? Yeah, definitely. It's something that like growing up, it was so important in my family that nothing was siloed in your life. Like as you were chasing your work and career goals and being ambitious there, that you made time for family and that you made time for your friends and that you made time for hobbies outside of work and school. And I think I I now I'm like realizing the value that my parents taught to us, which is being able to invest in your relationships as something that makes everything else in your life better. It should make you better at your job. It should make you better at school. It should make you better with your friends and all of the things that come with that. So the answer is yes. In New York, which is where I lived for the first three years. And when I started Meet Cute, I was in New York. I was dating in a very casual way, like not in any serious way. And I think a big part of that is because I was so consumed by, I was in venture capital. And so I was like traveling a lot and I was starting meet cute towards the tail end of being in New York. And it was one of those things that like, I felt myself putting it on the back burner. Cause I was like, you know, right now I'm in the phase of my life where I'm working on my career and I'm building all of this. And there will be a time of life where I focus on that. And I think that, you know, I did start dating someone last year and it was a really interesting transition where I started reflecting a lot more on what I want my life five years to look like and 10 years to look like. And it's not just to have these like siloed compartments of there's your work and you just do that. And there's your relationships and you just do that. And I feel really lucky because actually my parents, they both started a company together and had a really successful marriage and raised both my brother and I at the same time. So I kind of have a role model for what it looks like to, in a really extreme way, work on a company together and be in a really committed, dedicated relationship and constantly be working on that. And I saw it from a front row seat growing up. So I think that really has shaped the way that I approach relationships and work to your point, like Meet Cute is not a small endeavor. And I, and I feel fortunate that I'm able to do both of them. And I imagine hearing all of those romantic stories makes you 
kind of know what's possible and maybe has opened up the ability to dream about what you do want in your future relationship. You brought up your parents and a little birdie told me that they had an unusual meet cute themselves. Yes. Um, so my parents, so I am, I was born here in Portland, Oregon, but both my parents were born in India. And the way that things work in India from like stories that I've heard from my family are that usually what happens is like families will help arrange two people to get married. And it's always their choice in terms of, not always. In the case of my parents, it was their choice. But my dad was working in Florida and my mom was still back in India. She was an intern under a surgeon at this hospital. And her the surgeon that she was interning under was my dad's uncle. And so one day she's like running late. She's My mom is always running late. She's like sweating, trying to make it to her rounds where they're doing like surgery rotations at the hospital. And this head surgeon stops her when she comes in and says, Sonal, like you're 21. Are you thinking about getting married anytime soon? And my mom, who was thinking about getting married because it just everything happens you know, slightly different age than how I've thought about it. But she was like, yes, I am. And so my dad flew from Florida. He had a coffee date set up with my mom. They sat for about eight or nine hours, honestly, at this coffee shop and just talked. And two days later on my mom's birthday, my dad shows up to her home with this massive bouquet of flowers and a little card that says, will you marry me? I, I hear this story so much because like my mom loves telling it and we love hearing about it because it's just like so crazy to me how fast it all happened and how like their families played a role in it, how my dad just took a chance and flew back to India. And then that was January 6th. On January 15th, they were married. So my grandfather somehow got 500 people to say yes to coming to a wedding about nine days later, and they all showed up at this banquet hall in India, celebrated my parents getting married. And then my parents were off and completely together after that. OMG. Okay, listeners, <laughs> do not try this at home. <laughs> uh, results may vary. But I'm really curious, Naomi, and actually my sister-in-law's parents had an arranged marriage too. It wasn't nearly that romantic of a story. It was much more kind of thrust upon them. And they're still together now and, and happily together. But I feel like there's a lot in that story worth unpacking for your parents and how it worked out. You mentioned really the level of commitment that your dad had to and, and conviction of just like, okay, I'm going for it. I'm going to fly to India. I'm going to actually propose to this woman two days later and then like no time to second guess or get cold feet. Like we're just going to go for it. And I'm wondering if that's something, you know, in today's world that is still an important part of moving a relationship along in your mind, or if you feel like it wouldn't work like that today. <laughs> If they were to meet now, I've thought about this so much. I think that there are elements of a relationship, even if you don't move that quickly. My parents were an extreme case where you do have to take a blind leap of faith because, like, you have to trust this person 
that you're going to be in a relationship with it or that you're dating at some point. And it's at the risk of getting hurt because like, you know, that like entering into a relationship and you committing your feelings, the downside risk is that like you commit, you say like, this is how I feel about you and that you could get hurt. And I think that when, when my mom has given me advice around relationships in the past, it's always counter to what she did, where she's like, get to know the person, spend, you know, years figuring them out, understanding what they're like, what, what are they like in this situation versus that situation. And, and really like be best friends with that person before you jump into a, a really serious commitment. And the reason I I take that and also add on that you do have to take this risk, like the one that my dad took to commit, is that something that I find today in a lot of my, you know, talking to my friends who are in their mid-20s and, and exploring a lot of relationships right now, is that today, because of how the dating app world works and because of how people get introduced to other people. And I love dating apps and I'll tell you like a little bit more about that. But I think that like the barrier to entry into a conversation with someone is a lot lower, which is a good thing. It means that dates are more accessible. You can find someone to go out with a lot more easily. But I think what that also means is that when you look at someone's profile, you're trained to be really picky where it's like, oh, they like the Oakland A's. I don't support that team next. You know, and like you're, you like <laughs> nitpick at things in ways that like if you just meet someone out in the world or if you actually go on a date with that person and you fall in love with them for different reasons, that tiny little fact wouldn't change your decision to go on a second date with them. But you probably because, wouldn't even find out that fact. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like almost like we have too much information presented to us that like it, it like turns our brain into this like decision tree. And instead of just taking leaps of faith, we're like, okay, let me try and like attach this algorithm to figure out if this person's right for me or not. And that's why I always tell my friends, like, don't text too much before you go on your first date, because like, just like, this is not like a, this is like a personal rule, because I think that like, a lot of those things are just in-person chemistry and you'll take bigger leaps of faith if you just are in front of that person talking to them and you're like, wow, I'm actually jiving. I don't care about these three things that like maybe were red flags to me on their profile because there are like a hundred other things that I like about this person. And so that's where I think the leap of faith comes in where you just have to kind of put yourself out there. And then when you're dating someone like, you know, you can't hold back. I think that that there are separate commitments that come along with like, to take the analogy of my dad flying to India to to commit to seeing someone. I co-sign everything you just said. And we've talked on the show many times about not texting too much before the first date or like in the first phase of meeting someone because you do want that to unfold in real time. My listeners may have heard me say like, you want synchronous communication, not asynchronous because when they can take all the time in the world. And you know this as, as well as anyone to write. They can write anything they want and make it sound beautiful. It may not be the reality. And then you set yourself up for disappointment. But I think we could use a lot more of that confidence that your dad has or had or, you know, still brought into finding his life partner, because there is so much, like you said, of this, like weighing the pros and cons and looking at every little element and then really 
second guessing what we're seeing and what we're feeling. People are always asking me, how do you know? How do you know? And it's like, I mean, you never know. At a certain point, you have to just go for it. And you can talk yourself out of any decision. But if you're just willing to dive in like your dad did and like your mom did, ultimately, I think that is the pathway to a fulfilling relationship. I totally agree. Like international love is actually one of our top thematic tags. So like we we see what listeners engage with a lot and what people love to keep coming back to. And we find that people love stories that involve travel because I think it removes you from your day-to-day life. So it feels a little bit more like a rom-com. You're like, you wear, you pack certain outfits when you go on vacations because you're like, oh, I'm in this new setting. And it's like, you own all those clothes. So why not just wear them in your day-to-day life? But it feels (laughs) separate somehow. Are there other themes or thematic tags as you define them that seem to come up a lot in people's love romantic comedy fantasies? Yes. A couple other big categories that we see a lot of are young adults. So people really love stories about first loves that take place in high school settings. Like we have a big series that takes place in a New York prep school or colleges. I think, you know, the first time you go away from home and you're in a completely new setting and you're discovering a lot about yourself, often those are combined with coming of age stories where by the end of the rom-com, you not only discover something about someone else, but you find some part of your identity that you didn't know. Because I think relationships are really good at uncovering parts of your identity that you haven't uncovered yet. So that's one category. I would say another one that we see coming up a lot is people who wrestle with their sexual identity or their gender identity and do that through a relationship or outside of a relationship. So we have a large slate of stories that have LGBTQ characters. And while we don't you know, categorize them as just like our LGBTQ stories, we like working those characters into other story arcs because we just think that they should be part of popular media and they they don't need to be tokenized in any way, but instead they should just be mainstream characters that everyone falls in love with. And the last one I'll talk about is we find that people really love nostalgic stories. So we have one about a summer camp and there is this like classic rom-com trope about kind of like rebellious love, like you know, falling in love with a counselor or someone that you're not supposed to. And people really love those rom-coms as well. So where there's like a hint of rebelliousness and nostalgia tied in, those are two big emotional categories for us. And I just want from the creating your own rom-com perspective, I want to add on to that nostalgia piece that you gave, because that I find is a very useful tool on dates to actually tap into nostalgia for all the reasons that you you said. It's something that, one, it puts you in the mindset of a time in your life that, you know, you kind of see as rosy, even if it wasn't the perfect time while you were there. It has that sort of shine on it. And then it also is something that will usually bond to people because if it's like, if I ask you what you did for your summers growing up, like instantly that brings back a certain feeling. And then as you tell me your story, then I start to think about, well, what I did during my summers and how it was either alike or different and puts me back into that nostalgic space too. 
I could not agree more. I think that there is, we also love talking about, I think, childhood. And I think there are so many elements of it that like, no matter where you grew up, you still go through the same phases of like, oh yeah, I, I have these rose colored lenses on all of my beach vacations or all of my, you know, family trips growing up. And I find that I think you're totally right. Like I think on like first dates, like maybe like dates one through five, bringing those stories up, one takes the pressure off to just talk about like work and, you know, your current life day to day because that's great. But like often there are like stresses associated with that. And it's really nice to just like go back to a time when things were a little bit maybe lighter or easier when you were kids or growing up. Yeah. My favorite questions are, what did you do for summers growing up? I hope y'all are taking notes now. Uh, (laughs) Also uh, asking, what was your favorite concert that you ever went to? Music, I find, is very bonding for people. And what was your favorite dish that, that you ate as a kid? And like everybody, I feel like everybody has stories or what dishes did you hate to eat as a kid? And even thinking about, about that, like, oh, my mom and the Brussels sprouts. And it's weird because I love Brussels sprouts now, but that I think can add a different texture to the date. But before you go, you said that you like dating apps. So why? Because I love them too. But I, I, yes. I always like to have other people to, you know, come on my show and confirm things that I already believe. <laughs> Absolutely. I will confirm it. I think that something that I love to make and make a comparison between. So I talked about my family in India. They have been taking the idea of a dating app back for generations and generations and generations. They just do it through this word of mouth network. It's like literally every single mom I know, like all my mom's friends, they love to talk about like, oh, I think this person likes rock climbing and they would go really well with this person who also likes rock climbing. And they're really into painting and this person's really artistic. And they just like make these matches in their head and they have this like massive network. And then you see- network. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. You know about it. Yes. That is like- Every time I go back and like my mom has seven sisters. And so you can imagine like what all of them in one room is like figuring this (laughs) stuff out. (laughs) So loud, like does not stop till 3 a.m. And then it starts back up at 7 a.m. over tea time again. Um, But I think that like that exact idea of let's figure out what are things that like, what are uncertainties that we, you can remove from the situation and put into a dating app. Like, I think that that's great. What I love about it is it makes dating more accessible for people who don't necessarily like going out into a random situation, like a house party or a bar and going up to someone and talking to them. Like that is such like a romanticized way of meeting and meet cutes happen everywhere. Like it can happen on the subway. It can happen getting Starbucks. It can happen in a bathroom stall. Like it literally could happen anywhere. But I think that something that I love talking about is that like serendipity, the idea of serendipity is not, doesn't exist in a vacuum. You have to put yourself in situations where you can increase your chance of serendipity. And I think a dating app does that. That's a mic drop moment right there. I'm just going to leave it with that. Thank you for inspiring us. And I love your story and your parents' story and all of the stories that you're telling at Meet Cute. I encourage everybody to check it out. Thank you. 
Thanks so much, Demona. It was great to meet you. Make sure to check out Meet Cute. It is live on all your favorite podcast platforms. And we'll definitely put a link in the show notes. All right, stick around because I still have to answer your questions. This week in Q, we have how to choose the perfect match when you are a high caliber catch. And a final word on the awkward splitting the bill conversation. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And it's time to answer your questions in Dear Demona. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This question was sent in by a listener named Elle. She says, hi, Demona. I've been listening to your podcast for three years. She's a Dates and Mates OG. She says, I've been listening to it ever since I lived in Sweden and was dating an American boyfriend. Three years, fast forward, moved to the Bay Area, got married and divorced. Been focusing on work for the last year while keeping an eye on the dating apps and listening to your podcast. I am 31. I work as an engineer at Tesla, have all kinds of tomboyish hobbies, looking for someone very smart, probably an introvert, career driven, kind, and supportive, someone local to the Bay Area and tall. I am 5'9 plus. Another engineer is a plus, but not a must. Listen, L, I'm going to level with you. When you described your situation and who you are looking to meet, it kind of feels like you are looking for a needle in a stack of needles. <laughs> okay. You want somebody who's an introvert, career driven, and also potentially another engineer. Girlfriend, you are in the mecca of introverted, career driven, engineer, intellectual guys right there. I don't know about the height. I can't do anything about the height. Maybe uh, they can maybe they can wear platform shoes or something. But as far as all of the core qualities and, you know, I kind of I scratch height off the list anyway, because even though you're tall, you're a confident woman. It sounds like you don't necessarily need a guy that is super tall. You just need a guy that is confident with his height, whatever it is. But let's go back to these other qualities. Usually when people say to me, there are no guys in my city or there are no women that match with me in my city. I say the city is not the problem. The approach or the perspective is the problem, right? Because there are eligible people everywhere. But there are certain cities where I know what the ratios are. And you're in one of those cities. The Bay Area has a lot of single men, a lot of single men to not a lot of single women. And so the ratio is in your favor. Some of you may have heard me say before to one technique to have your own meet cue is to put yourself in a situation where the genders are flipped in your favor. So if you're, let's say, hetero female and you're looking for a hetero male, you're going to go to a man rich environment like, I don't know, a sporting event or a sports bar or some sort of an outdoor activity. I know I'm being very stereotypical here, but I have to say it because it actually has worked for a lot of my clients. If you're a man looking for a woman, you might want to go to a yoga class or join a book club or do something like that. But okay, L, you are working at one of the most highly sought after companies in a place where there are tons of guys doing the same job that you're doing who would, I'm sure, be thrilled to meet a woman like you. Now, of course, you don't want to date at your own company. But lucky for you, in the Bay Area, 
there are tons of other engineer guys at tons of other companies. So the first thing that I would tell you is just start with the apps. So you said you were keeping an eye on the dating apps. I don't know what that means. That to me doesn't sound like you are approaching the dating apps with a clear goal, dating plan, and technique. And this is good advice for anyone. If you tell me that you're on the dating apps and I hear that you are only checking the app when you get notifications, that you are not really swiping right on anyone or you're not initiating messages, that you're not keeping conversations going, I just have to tell you, you're not actually on the apps. Like your picture might be there, your profile might be there, but you're not on the apps. So if you are very serious about this, L, you've got a date with purpose on the dating apps. I think that is hands down the best bet for you and that you will see that you are not in a haystack. You are in a mountain of needles and you will find that you are existing in a man rich environment. Let's say you tried that. And keeping an eye on the dating apps means that you really are doing the work on the dating apps. The other options for you are meeting through friends, which we've talked about a lot on this show. And that also, if you know a ton of engineer guys and you are clear about what you're looking for, why not ask some of those guys at happy hour? Are we doing happy hours again? Is that a thing that people are doing now? I think so. I think so. You're in California high vaccination rates. So ask those guys that are at your workplace that you wouldn't actually date yourself if they have anyone who fits your top three qualities, right? If they have any friends or if they can invite a single friend to their next happy hour and tell them like, don't make them too nerdy, right? (laughs) No, nerds are great, by the way. I'm a big fan of dating nerds. They're the unsung heroes of the dating scene. But I digress. The other way you can go is hiring a matchmaker, which a lot of people do when they are in a very intense work environment, which I imagine, I imagine your job is pretty intense, right? But the reality is it's a huge investment. Most matchmakers charge between like four and 10,000. You may get three to four matches out of it. And I recommend it for people that are like, I cannot do all of the sorting. I'd rather outsource that part or I have done all of that. I have done all the things and I must meet my person and I want to meet them fast. And I am willing to shell out big bucks to achieve that. So that could be an option for you, but I think we got to go through all of the other options first before you make that kind of investment. If you're not sure if your dating app is working, if you're not going on at least two dates a month, and I'll count video dates in this weird post-COVID, semi-in-the-middle-of-COVID, next-wave, whatever's happening world that we're living in, I will count video dates or in-person dates, but you got to be having at least two dates a month off of your app or you're not really working the steps. That's my two cents on that. But you are in an enviable position, my friend. I'm sure there are many eligible bachelors that would be glad to meet your acquaintance. Thank you so much for listening. I I love my longtime listeners, and I really appreciate that you've stuck with me through thick and thin, richer and poorer, through your move to the Bay Area. And I love 
having longtime listeners, and I love that you trust me with your dating advice. So thank you for your question. This one comes to us from a lady named Carly. She says, Demona, who pays the bill when you're on a date? I know traditionally the man pays for everything, but that's not realistic. So how do you start the convo about those expectations? I personally don't mind splitting costs or even covering costs for dates, but I've never, ever discussed that with anyone I've dated. For context, I recently met this guy on Hinge. He invited me on three dates. First was free. Second was a car ride. Car ride. That's what that's what the kids are doing these days. Third was dinner, which he covered the bill. Maybe a week later, I asked him if he wanted to hang out again. And when trying to iron out the plans, he shocked me with, and I'm sure I'll be paying and letting you smoke my weed too, huh? I'm sorry, but I'm not the one. I was so shocked that he came at me like that. I certainly didn't give off the energy that I was just there for a free meal and weed. He never asked me to split the cost on anything, never mentioned it. So how do we have these conversations about expectations regarding covering costs on dates? Whew, this is a hot button issue. So thank you, Carly, for sending in this question. First of all, that guy sounds like he has his own issues. <laughs> Because if he never indicated that he was upset about it, first of all, I think that's on him that he didn't say that he expected you to split the dates or pay for your weed. I don't know. Maybe he was too high and he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I don't know what happened on the car ride. I'm Now I think I have some understanding. So basically he paid for weed and dinner. Big freaking deal. I don't think that this is the guy for you because I look at courtship as really a reciprocal process. That said, I do believe in splitting the costs early on or offering to split the costs early on. And I know you guys are going to ding me on this. I'm going to get the DMs. I don't know why I'm a little bit old fashioned about the first date. Maybe it's something I'm open to changing. You all are open to change. I know because you listen to this podcast. I just have an idea in my head about guys paying for the first date. That's the only thing. That and I think engagements. <laughs> Other than that, I'm like, no gender roles. But I know I got to change this. I got to change this. But here's why I'm traditional on it. Because I think it still sends a message in the current, and I'm speaking heteronormatively at the moment, but in the current culture that we live in, when you offer to split the bill and you like mean it, <laughs> because there is the like, <laughs> the feigning handing in your credit card and having him say, no, 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 I got this. And this dance that we all do. I did it. You all have done it. That's just part of the dance. But the actual like, no, let me split this can be a sign and usually is a sign to most men that you're really not that into it and that you want to split it because you don't want him expecting things to go a certain way. And so while we're still in that line of thinking, it's hard for us to just completely level the playing field. Now, I've heard, and this is this also applies to my LGBTQ daters, I've heard that it's acceptable now for the people who initiate the date, who suggest the date, to be the ones covering the date. So maybe that's what he was responding to a little bit. Or maybe, I don't know what the plans were that you were suggesting. Maybe you were suggesting a costly plan like let's go to this concert or you know something else that would have made him uncomfortable with the amount of money that he was spending especially if you were like let's go to this really fancy restaurant 
that if he doesn't make a lot of money might make him feel uncomfortable. But I'm trying to change the gender norms, but we're still operating in some of the old rules and some of the old ways. So to get down to your question, how do you initiate this conversation? I I think you talk about it date by date. I, I don't think this would have gone a different way if on the second date, which was a car ride, which I don't know, were you supposed to offer him gas money? I don't know what this guy's expectations were. They sound very unrealistic. But okay, let's say dinner. Did you offer to cover the bill at any point? Did you say, oh, I'll get the next one? Because that indicates like, I'm not just here for the free ride. I'm actually interested in getting to know you. But see, on the other side, Carly, there are guys that would be offended if you were offering to pay because that's going to insult their manhood of being a provider. So basically, you can't win. The only way that we can win is to have authentic conversations. And I think those have to happen in the moment. I feel like this outcome with this particular person would have gone in this direction anyway. There's not something that you specifically did to make him feel like you were there for a free meal and weed. Sounds to me like this is a reaction to something he's dealt with in the past that he is unfairly dumping on you and assigning to you, even though you didn't necessarily behave in that way. So talk about it in the context of the date that you're on or after that person pays. Make sure you're gracious and thank them when they pay. Never take a date that you don't have to pay for for granted. This is advice for everyone now. Never take a date that you have to pay for for granted. That t- that person gave you their time and their money. You want to be gracious, even if you don't want to go out with them again. Try to be appreciative and gracious. And karma will take care of all of the rest. What a cute 370th episode of Dates and Mates. We'll put the link in the show notes for Meet Cute You will really enjoy listening to their love stories. And I promise you, it's super diverse and there's something there for everyone. So definitely check them out. I also loved hearing your questions and I love getting DMs from you. So make sure you hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can DM me your question at Damona Hoffman or you can leave me a voicemail any time of day. You get home from a day, 11 a.m., you want to vent, call me. 424-246-6255. Again, it's 424-246-6255. I will be back again next week with a very special guest. I interviewed her on NPR a few months ago when her new book came out, Logan Yuri. She's the director of relationship science at Hinge. She's a dating coach and she's the author of How to Not Die Alone. You asked for her on Dates and Mates and I am providing. And guess what? It is also the finale of season eight of Dates and Mates. So 